0: Good morning everybody, great to see you here today, especially if this is your first time with us, uh, glad you could be here, welcome, welcome to New Life Christian Church. My name is Joe, if we haven't had a chance to meet, I hope we do before you go home and uh, glad glad you're here and if you're watching online right now, we're glad that you're tuning in from wherever you are in the world today. You know people tune in from all over the place, all over the place, wherever you are, we're so glad you're here and uh, feel a part of our church family. Hey, uh, before we go to the Word today, I, I want to talk about something real quick. How many of you got my email that I sent out on Thursday? All right, a good number. How many of you actually read it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I sent out an email on Thursday telling you all about this uh, Christmas love offering that we're taking, and I just wanna encourage you to read it if you haven't read it. Um, pray on that, um, of what we're trying to do with that. And, and if you did not get that email, but you're on the list, you may wanna check your junk email folder, your spam folder. Um, the internet has a lovely way of sending my emails right to your spam folder, all right? so. You may want to just look into that, but, but if you're not on any of our email lists here at the church, in all seriousness, you can get on those easily through the app. We have several of them. Uh, one is an all-church email that we have. Another is a prayer email. We update that on a daily basis. People put in prayer requests. If you'd like to be a part of that, you can sign up for all those on, uh, on, through the app. But, but this, this email that I sent out was talking about a Christmas love offering that we would like to gather this this uh, December to, to go towards our Go West campaign and the continuing of our, our, our funding for the building that we're building out west. I'd like to give you an updated picture. This is what the building looks like today. So it's really coming together, you guys. It's, so the angle of this picture is, um, I took this picture actually. Uh, that's why the photography is so good. But anyway, no, I'm just, I just clicked it. So I'm actually standing in the lobby of what is the lobby. So this front area is the lobby, then the auditorium is back behind. And then that whole area down there towards the the big red pill is uh, going down that way is uh, a children's ministry. And there's some other areas, some some rooms and things. So it's really coming together. And the Lord has helped us check all the boxes and this is gonna be done sometime this summer. We hope, Lord willing, that we're gonna move into it by September. These are all tentative because you know how construction goes. But it's going really, really, well, and the lord's provided and you guys have been so generous we did our go west campaign about a year and a half ago and your generosity just blows me away but you know what else blows me away that since our go west campaign started you know our church has grown somewhere between two and three hundred people since then it has really grown a lot and so i guess this letter was just to appeal to the church family if the lord's been really generous with you and you want to be generous back i mean this love offering is a great way to do that if you're already giving to the church towards go west Praise God, maybe the Lord's inspiring you to give a little bit more. For those of you that have come into the church in the last year or two, and and maybe you you haven't given towards this at all, but like new life's your family, this love offering is a great way, it's a great opportunity for you to jump in and say, this is my church family, I wanna give towards this great thing that God is doing through our church family, and this is a great way to jump in and be a part of it. But really, all giving is between you and the Lord anyway. It's not me begging you or standing up here, pounding the drum. Giving is an act of prayer, and a response of faith. And as you pray on this and you weigh on it, if the Lord leads you, then just follow. If he doesn't, then don't. But this is between you and the Lord. And If you choose to give, um, there's several ways to do it. You can just go online and do that. It's probably the easiest way. Just go to our website, click the Give icon and select the Go West Fund and give that way. There's uh, giving envelopes in the, uh, in the atrium at our Welcome Center. You can put a gift in there and put it in the metal offering boxes at the back of the room. Also, there's commitment cards. Some of you may be like, You know, I want to do a commitment, like a a monthly commitment, like many people in the church have done. And you can fill out a commitment card. It's really all between you and the Lord. We're just putting the mechanism in place for you to follow in that. But let's pray about it. God's doing great things. He continues to do so. And uh, however the Lord leads you, you just follow his prompting. But let's pray about it. Lord, we give you great thanks today. And I thank you, Lord. Even looking at the picture of the building, we see great progress. And we are excited, Lord, about what is going to happen out there. Lord, in, in less than a year, the ministry that's going to be taking place, um, it, it's the things that we, we sit back and visualize and just trust, Lord, and thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Lord, I pray for many saved lives out there. Now, Lord, I pray you help our church family reach farther with the gospel than we ever have before. Lord, we just, we just thank you for it. we thank you for providing. Lord, we ask you specifically to bless this love offering. Lord, would you just put on our hearts what it is you'd have us to give and that we may respond according in faith, Lord, between, between what you're doing and what you're doing in our lives, Lord, would you just make it clear? Thank you for your blessings, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, we're continuing our series, how the cast of Christmas, and the cast of Christmas is basically that. I mean, it's no mystery what that is. Who were the major players in the coming of Jesus? And, and we started with the prophets a couple weeks ago, specifically Micah, and that incredible prophecy that he gave in Micah 5-2, where he names the birthplace of Jesus. Bethlehem, and people were looking to Bethlehem as the the place of the Savior's coming. Last week, we started in Luke two with the angels who came and announced that the Savior had been born, and their announcement included this detail, peace on earth, you remember, peace on earth, and what is this peace that they were talking about? The Savior would bring peace on earth in the form of peace with God, that every single person can be at complete peace, with the Lord. And today we're gonna be spending some time with the next members of the cast, which would be the shepherds. So if you wanna turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter two, we're going right back where we were last week and we're gonna talk about the shepherds. How many of you put up a nativity scene in your house? Yeah, a lot of you. Your nativity scene probably looks something like this, doesn't it? Here's your typical uh, nativity and you've got all the major players. We're talking today about the shepherds. It's these guys right over here, right over, not the angel, but the shepherds right here. The shepherds, that's who we're talking about. Now, the magi, those guys over there, they really weren't there when Jesus was born. They come a couple years later. So, And your nativity set at home, you need to throw them away because that's not biblical. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Don't do that. I'm just I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. But just in all fairness, these guys weren't there the day Jesus was born. But don't throw away your nativities. I'm, I'm totally teasing but the shepherds, that's who we're talking about today. And, um, and I love preaching about the shepherds. I relate so well to their, their story. I, I grew up in church, you guys know that. I grew up literally from infancy on, I grew up in the church. My dad was a preacher. And if you grew up in church like I did, then no doubt you came up through all the children's programs and you had to participate in all the children's choirs and cantatas. How many grew up doing the Christmas productions at church? Yes, so those, those of you know, the very best role that you could ever be assigned is a shepherd. They didn't have to memorize any lines. They just had to show up and they just had to stand there. I always wanted to be a shepherd, I'm I'm just telling you. It's a great, but that's who we're talking about today, the shepherds, but I can tell you, all joking aside, um, the shepherds were a part of something very incredible. And that one singular night 2000 years ago, what they got to witness on that one night absolutely changed their lives and it changed the lives of anybody that would ever listen to this story afterwards. Can you imagine if you know the, the story? Well, can you imagine sitting down with one of these shepherds in the weeks after the coming of Jesus, listening to them tell the details of that very night? You don't think your life would be radically changed by just hearing what they went through. When I was in Israel several years ago, I had the incredible opportunity to visit the location where Luke 2 happened, to visit the actual fields where the shepherds were the night that the angels made the announcement. The place in Israel today is known as the shepherd's field, and when you visit there like I did, um, it's not one of those places that's going to visually blow you away. What I mean by that, it's not like for the very first time coming over the Mount of Olives and seeing the skyline of Jerusalem off in the distance. It's not that kind of wow. It's not the kind of wow where you're approaching the Temple Mount and you're standing at the Western Wall and you're seeing all the people praying. It's it's not that kind of wow. And it's not the same kind of wow that you might get when you're standing at the garden tomb, you know? But it's a different kind of wow. It's, a, it's kind of an internal wow. Well, for me, that was my experience anyway. I just was like, wow. I mean, standing in the shepherd's field, the location of where the angels made this great announcement, Luke 2, it helped me identify and relate to that moment in ways that I never have before. You visit there today, you're going to find two churches. They're erected within about half a mile of each other. And each of these churches were built to commemorate the angels' visit. In fact, I'll show you a picture. This is the church that I visited at the shepherd's field. Um, This church, as well as the other one, they were built on top of older churches, ancient churches that went all the way back to the 300s A.D. What that means is there have been churches, visitors, Christians coming to this location to acknowledge the angels' visit of the shepherds that night for over 1,700 years. And you might be wondering, how do they know? How do they know that this is the location? Well, that might be a good subject matter for our next unearth series. What do you say? I, maybe, I, maybe so. But there is archeological evidence all around. I mean, there's archeological digging going around these, these churches. There's, they're built on top of ancient churches. There, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons that point to this being the location. But I can tell you, when I, um, when I was there, I just did a lot of walking around and thinking. <laughs> That's kind of my experience in Israel. When you're walking in the footsteps of Jesus, you just kind of spend about half the time with your mouth halfway open just going, ah, oh. that was me. So in this moment, in front of this church, walking around, looking at the shepherd's field and walking near the caves where the shepherds were, I just kind of was taking it in. It it obviously has grown quite a bit in the last 2,000 years. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Well, it's not so little anymore, just to be quite honest with you. But as I stood there panning around the area, um, my eyes went towards Bethlehem. And I could see less than two miles away the church of the nativity off in the distance. Now, the church of the nativity is the location most accepted as the birthplace of Jesus. They believe that, that Jesus was born and this church is built on top of that location. And uh, now, is that the exact location of Jesus' birth? I, I, I don't know, but what we do know is that if it's not the exact location, it's really close. Bethlehem wasn't all that big, so you're at the general vicinity. It, it makes sense where it is, if you know the history of, of Jesus' birth, and the, it makes sense, to be honest with you. And just like the shepherd's fields, Christians have been visiting the church in the nativity, that area, since the 300s AD, commemorating the birthplace of Jesus. So, so these are very special places in Israel. And I'm looking around, and off in the distance, I can see the church of the nativity, the birthplace of Jesus from the shepherd's field. When I was there in 2017, they were doing renovation work on the Church of the Nativity. So they had brought in a large construction crane that was hovering over the church. And so from the shepherd's field, I could easily see it because the crane was in the skyline, skyline and it looked, from my point of view, like a big cross over the church. I thought, man, I'm symbolic enough and emotional enough about these things, like is the cross over the birthplace of Jesus. No, it's a construction crane, but from where I was, it looked like a cross. And I just, it just really helped me identify with that moment. And because I don't trust myself to be able to bring you with me verbally, I need to show you that moment. I actually videoed it so you can see it. And then look at this. So here I am at that church I just showed you. Now here I am looking out over the shepherd's fields over here and there's people walking around, there's caves down there. And it makes a lot more sense if you were there. And here I'm just looking out, this is the area that the shepherds were at. And you have to forgive me for the shaky video, when I shot it, I had no idea I was going to show this to you. Um, so I'm going to pan around. Now I'm looking out towards Bethlehem. And do you see the crane out there in the distance? That's the church in Nativity. So this kind of helps you relate. So I'm standing in the shepherd's field, and I'm looking towards the birthplace of Jesus. It's less than two miles away. And so the, 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 the shepherds would not have had a hard time covering that distance that night. Even for a bigger boy like me, I can cover two miles pretty quick if I need to. So here I'm gonna pan around one more time. Here's the shepherd's fields. This is where it happened, right down there. There's a church built to commemorate it. And as I turned around and looked towards Bethlehem, I could see the birthplace of Jesus up on the hill there. I hope that helps you identify a little bit of just this location, this place, um, this special place. And I stood there taking it all in and it's, it's so strange. I could feel it. I could feel it. And I'm not a feely guy, but I could feel it. I look forward to being back there in June. We're gonna to go to this exact place again this June with a lot of you actually. A lot of you have signed up to go to that. In fact, we can take a few more. If anybody wants to go, there's information in the office. But where we left off last week, we left off with this announcement by these angels to these shepherds in that field. And let me refresh your memory. Look at Luke two, verse 10. This is the angel, the first angel showed up and it says the glory of the Lord shone around this angel. And then it says in verse 10, do not be afraid. He said that to the shepherds. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Something I try to do is identify in the moment, if you will. Um, That's why standing there was so powerful to me. But what would it have been like to be one of the shepherds that night? I mean, here you are. It's dark. You know, what you saw in the video was a lot of city. None of that was there 2,000 years ago, okay? Bethlehem was just off in the distance. Maybe a small campfire or two off in the distance. You knew that was the direction of Bethlehem. Maybe the only light breaking the night sky was the moon. Maybe a small campfire. And, and if you were there, maybe you're one of the shepherds just sitting around the campfire, sharing a good laugh with a few of the boys after a long day of, of herding the flocks. I mean, this night was no different than hundreds of other nights that these guys had had experienced in their lives. But then out of nowhere, the Bible tells us, an angel appeared and the glory of the Lord shone around him. Do you know what the glory of the Lord is? Do you know what that looks like? I don't. I mean, what did that look like? Did all of a sudden, was it like this beam of light that just broke the night sky? I don't know, I, I can tell you that it was not a somber moment I can tell you that that um, it was not a peaceful appearing. I feel very confident in telling you that if you were there that night, you would not have been reminded of a precious moments angel at all showing up that night. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord shone around this, this angel, and I may not be sure what that looks like, but the Bible maybe gives me a few ideas of what it could have been like. I think about in Exodus 34, we're not there yet in our, in our uh, rescued series, but Moses in Exodus 34 goes up on the mountain and he spends an extended time with God. And then when he comes back down off the mountain, do you remember those of you that have read ahead what was going on with his face? It says that his, his face was radiant. It was like glowing, it was bright. So bright the people didn't wanna look at him. So Moses had to put a veil over his face. Was that the glory of the Lord reflecting off of his face? I don't know, maybe. Maybe there's something to it. It says in 1 John, God is described as light. So I think the glory of the Lord has something to do with a lot of light. Uh, um, I think about um, Saul in the New Testament who would later become Paul, who became Paul. Jesus showed up in a blinding light, so bright that it blinded Paul Paul for three days. It's the glory of the Lord, whatever that looked like, whatever that sounded like, it was an absolutely terrifying experience. And I think we all would identify with that moment. I'm sitting around the campfire, kicking back after a long day, no different, then boom, the angel shows the glory of the Lord. I think it's a bright light, it's a terrifying moment. And what does the angel say? First words out of his mouth, do not be afraid. In fact, most angelic encounters that we read about in the Bible, um, begin with with that phrase do not be afraid so it had to been a little bit terrifying so when the shepherds realized they weren't going into cardiac arrest that night and they caught their wits about them and they calmed down you know this angel makes this incredible announcement about the coming of the savior and then what do we learn next that that one angel was joined by a heavenly host of angels. Most translations say a heavenly multitude. That word that we translate from the Greek into English as multitude, you know what that word literally means? It means an army an army, troops of soldiers, a band of soldiers, troops of angels. So this one angel was joined by the armies of heaven, the armies of angels that came, they showed up, and they were part of this grand announcement that a savior has been born. And I wonder, what an incredible show of force. Why in the world would God send his army on the night that Jesus was born. I've got some ideas. You know, um, the nativity, when we read about it, when you look at the nativity picture, it is the picture of the nativity through the eyes of the gospel. But you know there's another picture of the nativity through the eyes of the spiritual world. Did you know it exists? It's in Revelation chapter 12. We very much know that in Revelation chapter 12, which describes the nativity scene from the eyes of the spirit world that the enemy was there wanting to destroy Jesus on the day of his birth. Is it a shocker to you that the armies of heaven showed up? I wonder, and again, this is all speculation. What were they doing five minutes before this? Were they beating back the dragon? Hmm. If you want more information on that, if you're just curious about what I'm talking about, You can look up a sermon series I preached a couple years ago through the book of Revelation and look up the sermon for Revelation 12 and 13. I spent a lot of time with the nativity from the perspective of the spirit world. And if you ever wanna look to spice things up a little bit with your kids, tell the Christmas story from the perspective of Revelation 12. They will not sleep at night, all right? I'm just gonna tell you. I'll let you dig that out on your own. But this heavenly army, this host of troops, have they ever made an appearance like this before that we know about? Many would say yes. And they would point to the Old Testament book of 2 Kings chapter six as that example of when God's army, these heavenly angels showed up. Do you know what happened in 2 Kings chapter six? We read about the prophet Elisha. He is being hunted down by the king of Aram. He wants Elisha dead. And so Elisha is holed up in this city, and overnight the king finds out that Elisha and his team is in this city. So he sends his army, and they completely circle the city overnight. And so when Elisha wakes up the next morning, he's completely surrounded. Now his servant that was with him, he takes one peek over the wall. He sees this vast army that has them surrounded, and he begins to freak out. But Elisha is perfectly calm. So you have this contrast, you've got this servant that's, that's, that's all up in arms and Elisha's completely calm and he's like, we're gonna die. And then Elisha delivers what has to be one of the best one-liners in the whole Bible. Since in 2 Kings 6.16, Elisha says this, those who are with us are greater than those that are with them. How powerful is that? What did Elisha know that his servant and anybody else, they, they didn't know? I, I tell you the same thing we know today. Those who are with us, the Lord is more. It's greater. It's more than those that are with anyone else. And then in verse 17, Elisha prayed to God and said, God, would you please open the eyes of my servant so he can see what I can see? And it says that when the servant, that the Lord answered his prayer and he looked out to the hills And what did he see where this vast King of Aram's army was? What did he see? He saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire. He saw God's army. That's what he saw. And they were real and they were present and they kept the King of Aram from touching Elijah. Was that army in 2 Kings 6 the same army of angels that showed up in Luke chapter two, the night that Jesus was born? Sure seems like it. Will we ever get to see this army of God with our own eyes? Yes. We absolutely will. In fact, John had a vision of the conquering Jesus coming at the second coming. And it says in Revelation chapter 19, he writes what he sees in this vision. He says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes were like a blazing fire, and his head are many crowns. He has the name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. In case you didn't realize, he's talking about Jesus. He's seeing a conquering victory, Jesus. And then it says in verse 14: the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. John's writing about something that will happen in the future: this heavenly army. These, these troops in heaven that are with Jesus. Friends, here's what I wanna say. They were there with Jesus at his first coming, and they're gonna be there with Jesus at his second coming. Powerful army. But on that night in the shepherd's field, what did this heavenly army do? Well, they showed up to praise God. They showed up, they probably sang. Um, they, they just lifted up their praise to God. And I would have loved to heard that, wouldn't you? I would have. It's just a little moment that only the shepherds got to see. I was at a Christian conference a few years back, and at this conference they were promoting and touting that there was going to be a 3,000 voice choir sing at one of the nights of this conference, and they did. I didn't count heads to verify that what they were saying wasn't false advertising, but there was probably 3,000 voices there, and it was powerful. And you don't have to love and appreciate choir music to love and appreciate that moment of 3,000 Christians singing praises to God in a powerful volume coming at you these voices. It was awesome. But as awesome as that was to experience, I think it pales in comparison to what the shepherds experienced with this heavenly army of angels glorifying and praising God. You know, if you go back to Revelation, John also saw something like this in the visions that God allowed him to see about this army, these these, these voices in heaven praising God. Revelation 5 verse 11 says, then I looked and heard the voices of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. Thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever, friends. We weren't there in Luke 2, but we'll be there for this. And it's gonna be awesome. Is it any wonder then, that when the shepherds heard this announcement and they saw this angelic visit from this army of angels, is it any wonder at all that they just dropped everything and they ran to see Jesus? It's no surprise at all. So here's what happened. Let's go back to Luke two. Let's look at verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They made that trip from the shepherd's fields to the place of Jesus' birth, less than two miles away. That night, And friends, let me just tell you, may we all have today that same level of zeal when it comes to Jesus. I pray that our New Life family has a ministry like the angels did. The angels showed up and they sang praise to the Lord and they pointed people to Jesus. And somewhere in there is the ministry of our church family to praise our heavenly Father and point people to Jesus, show them the way, teach them. Jesus is over here and you can find him. And then may we have a response like the shepherd's response in our community. Wouldn't that be incredible? As we praise the Lord and as we point people to Jesus, the response of those that we love around us, our loved ones and our friends and neighbors and people we've never met would have the same zeal and that same response, drop everything, show me the way I wanna meet this savior of the world. Everybody in this room has been on that path, been on that journey, may continue to do so. I love the fact that the Bible records these details for us, but there are some who wonder, why is the the stuff in here about the shepherds, why is it a part of the story of Jesus? What did they really do? What role do they serve? Why is this recorded in the scriptures? I'm here to tell you, there's a number of reasons for why the shepherds are recorded in the scripture. And I think the first one off the top of the list has gotta be this. What better way to announce the arrival of the great shepherd than to a bunch of shepherds? And just think about it. Why Why did God choose to tell us about the shepherds? Well, I think this fact right here. The great shepherd has come. What a better way to announce it than to a group of shepherds. Shepherds themselves were a visual representation of what this baby lying in the manger would ultimately become one day. And if you close your eyes, you can visualize it just as easily as I can. Here is Mary and Joseph. They're on their knees. They're looking over the baby Jesus lying in a manger, which the manger is nothing more than a feeding trough for animals. And they're looking at this, and then you can see that the shepherds are there. And they look over their shoulders, and they're looking down at this visual representation. They don't have all these pieces put together, but they're looking at the great shepherd who would shepherd his people. It's reinforcing what Jesus would ultimately become. Listen to how Jesus describes himself in John chapter 10, verse 14. He says this about himself. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So this little boy lying in the manger will grow up to be the great shepherd of the world, great shepherd that will gather his flock. All of us who know his voice will follow him. And in order to do this, the great shepherd will lay down his very own life for his flock. The great shepherd will sacrifice himself and shed his own blood for the sake of the flock. This great shepherd who will lay down his life for his flock will also take it up again. And it's not an accident that this announcement of the great shepherd was made to a group of shepherds. Why else are the shepherds significant in Luke chapter two? Well, I can tell you this, they're significant because they shout this truth loud and clear, Jesus is for everybody. Jesus is for everybody. Everybody. In fact, if you're taking notes today, that's the second point in your app notes, Jesus is for everybody. Who is this good news of great joy for the angels announced? It's for you, me and everybody in between past, present and future. Shepherds in that day were just kind of your ordinary folks. In, in fact, there's a lot of record of how shepherds were actually kind of looked down upon They were not the elite of the society. They didn't rub shoulders with the rich and famous. That's that's not who the shepherds were. If they were out, any shepherd out there washing their fields at night probably worked for somebody else. They worked for meager wages. And it wasn't one of those things like, man, I wanna be a shepherd one day. It wasn't one of those kind of professions. Shepherds might be the first century average Joe. Where in the world back then or, or today Will the average Joes of the world have access to a king? Nowhere, nowhere. The closest we're going to get to the king and queen today is his brother in the network special that's about Meghan and Harry. That's about as close. My wife says, we got to watch this. Meghan and my wife loves the Royal family, by the way. She goes, we got to watch this special on Meghan and Harry. It's on Netflix. I'm like, Nope, I'm out. Don't care. I'll probably watch it. But you know. (laughs) Where are the average Joes in the world ever gonna rub shoulders with the king? It just doesn't happen. But let me tell you, this king is for all people. This good news of great joy is for everybody. I'm telling you, everybody in the world will have access to this king. He will, she will. So it's not just good news for the Jews. It's good news for the Gentiles as well. It's not just good news for a bunch of poor shepherds. It is good news for a bunch of rich magi who are on their way to see him. It's good news for everybody. This child lying in a manger that night would hold the key to changing the world in which we live in today, saving every single person from then till now and in the future who would ever turn to the Lord in faith. All this good news wrapped up in a little baby lying in a manger that night in Bethlehem. Why else are the shepherds so significant? It's because, and this one speaks right to my heart, it should speak to yours too. They're the very first examples we have in the Bible of people stepping out in faith in response to Jesus. They're the very first ones stepping out on faith in response to Jesus. So these shepherds that night, they were given information. Where did they get this information? They got it from the angels. A savior has been born. Peace on earth is going to come. And they were given an invitation. Go and see what has happened. They got information. They were given invitation. But let me tell you something these shepherds still had to do. They had to act on it. They had to act and they had to respond in faith. Do you realize that those shepherds surely had the right to after the angels went into heaven to say, I'm not going up to Bethlehem, this is a two mile walk. Are you going to Bethlehem? I'm not going to Bethlehem, I'm not going. They could have said no, but they didn't. They hurried because they wanted to see this thing that the angels announced. They were given information, they were offered an invitation and they accepted it and they went to find Jesus. They responded and friends, I'm gonna tell you today, our story is no different than that. Their story is in the Bible because they paint for us the roadmap of every single person who's ever walked this earth. I receive information about Jesus. I got an invitation to go find him and I respond in faith to receive him. That's the angels' announcement to the shepherds. That's their response. And if you really think about you, yourself, that's what you did. That's what you did. Somebody shared the good news with you and they showed you the path to Jesus, but it was your faith that got you over the finish line. I receive him. Now, what did the angels do right after that? What's the text say after they had, in a sense, responded in faith and received Jesus? They went out, and this is our job now, they went out and they praised God and they glorified him, and they did what? They told everybody and anybody that would give them the time or day to listen. So friends, there's the pathway here. There's a journey that the shepherds went on in one singular night that you and I will spend a lifetime on. We receive word about Jesus, we accept the invitation, we step out on faith and believe. Our job now, New Life's job, our job collectively is to go tell anybody who will ever listen who wants to hear about this Jesus who was born that night in Bethlehem, who lived, who died on a cross, who rose to life and is coming back again. That's our job now, to share that good news about Jesus. So friends. He who has an ear, let him hear what the word of God has to say to us today. Can I pray for you? Lord, we give you great thanks for today. As always, Lord, we thank you for your holy word. I thank you, Lord, for the the words of Luke chapter two that teach us about these shepherds and this visit by the angels, Lord. And I pray, God, that we too will identify with the moments of that night in a way that we have yet to identify with them before. But Lord, I pray that you help us be like these shepherds. But Lord, I pray that we're on this end of the praising and glorifying God part. But if there's anybody in this room here, Lord, that has yet to respond in faith to Jesus Christ, their Savior, Lord, I pray that today's the day that they say, I've seen enough, I've heard enough, and now I want to go with Jesus. I pray that if there's anybody in this room that needs to follow you, Lord, today, that they'll do it. Lord, for the rest of us who have made you the leader of our life through our faith in you Lord I pray that we're like the shepherds now rejoicing glorifying God and telling the world about what you have done that Lord you came you lived you died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins the great shepherd laid down his life for the flock but you took it up again three days later you rose to life you've ascended into heaven and Lord we're waiting for that day when you will come again with this vast army of angels to make everything right. So Lord, we glorify you today. In Jesus' name, amen.